This is the night when fear and horror walk hand in hand. This is Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath. As ancient as superstition, as modern as the telephone. What's it called? Bollocks. Bollocks one. Emerging from the darkness that is the Sabbath Bloody Podcast feed, it's time for a seance. Thank you for joining me, especially those who've stayed subscribed to this sporadic feed of mine. My apologies, but hey, that's just how I roll these days. I'm just taking my time, waiting for the mood to strike me, and trying to make these seances something useful for you supernauts, not just my dumbass telling you how badass a national acrobat riff is, you know? And today's episode is going to be fun. It's going to be a real nerdy one. (laughs) Some Sab's research and essentially a buyer's guide here for some of the remastering and remixing of our beloved Sabbath catalog that is available to the masses out there. As always, if you have requests for a specific show theme, send them my way at sabbathbloodypodcast at gmail.com or on the Twitter, where I'm always talking Sabs, at sabbathbloodypc. And yes, today is going to be cool because I'm going to be joined by a special guest here shortly to shoot the shit specifically on those oh-so-lovely super deluxe box sets that we've been getting served as of late. Nate Goyer from the podcast called The Vinyl Guide will be conjured into the gathering here in just a moment. I'm really looking forward to this. But first, speaking of gatherings of podcasters, the Deep Dive Podcast Network, right? Still going strong and growing in numbers since we last spoke here. To catch you up on that front, we still have the old timers, the Deep Purple Podcast, getting reconsidered, T-Bone Mathley and his prime cuts. His prime cuts on the other side. <laughs> the Magician's Podcast. And of course, those lovely lap lads over there in the lap of the pods. But I've yet to have a chance to mention the uh, class of 2021 here. Not one, not two, hell, not even three, but four outstanding podcasts have joined our ranks here over this summer, yeah, so let's let's burn them down in order of their arrival. First up, we have Hawk Binge, a tremendous deep dive on that spacey stoner rock institution known as Hawkwind. Matt and Andy over there are your hosts on that trip. And for all you goddamn maidenheads, we got the best of the beast. The only Iron Maiden podcast worth your time, in my opinion. <laughs> no offense to the other ones, but they're my boys. Maiden A to Z. And... Sometimes Ed, <laughs> depending on where you're from. But Eric and Jonathan over there in Sweden covering every Maiden masterpiece in the goddamn alphabet. But that's not all, folks. A couple more shows have sold their souls for rock and roll here. And the first one, this one's right in our fucking wheelhouse here, so pay attention, all right? Diary of the Mad Men. Not to be confused with the short-lived uh, podcast of a madman in this feed, which has been archived, but... Two lifelong Aussie worshippers, Dan and Josh, have an incredible, just undisputed Prince of Darkness-based podcast. You know I am fucking in on this. That is Diary of the Mad Men, and it's on point, guys. Like, I'm telling you, learning all kinds of new stuff from these guys. True Mad Men, yes. Every week on Thursdays, check them out. And last but not least, we got 
universally speaking, Red Hot Chili Peppers deep dive, which is really cool. Yes, a band that didn't start in the 70s, people here, <laughs> being covered by the network. Such a great show, too. They've been at it for a while, so get in there and binge away. Get your freaky style on over there. Check out all those glorious deep dives. As we say, the water is warm. And of course, if you want more from myself outside of the deep diving requirements of this glorious network, you want something a little lighter, but still about music and shit, there's the North by South podcast that I do monthly with Clay from Skinnered Reconsidered. And that's just tons of fun. So, okay, let's get back here, light the candles, get the Ouija board out, and let's do a Sabbath seance proper. Today's theme, as I mentioned off the top, is about the remasters that have happened. And the centerpiece of today will be the super deluxe box sets that we've been getting lately. And this isn't a listener's submission like the last few seances have been. This theme is kind of spawned from my own obsessive kind of Sabbath music collecting and research more than anything. We'll dive into some of the touch-ups here first, the revisitations of the Sabbath material that have happened over the years leading up to these super deluxe sets. More of the stuff that's you know, readily available in stores and online. We're not going to get into the like rare pressings or the original vinyls, all that good shit. That'll come in a later seance, I'm sure. But hopefully this one here helps some of you supernauts figure out the versions that you need to track down that you actually can track down pretty easily and what ones to avoid too for the actual, you know, listening of the albums. <laughs> We're not talking about bagging and sealing up these fuckers and tucking them into your ikea shelves there never to be seen again these are the push the needle in shit here we'll keep it simple here i'm going to concentrate on the bigger shifts now in what is being like purposefully released not so much the quality control at the regional or plant levels that's a whole nother level of audiophile shit that i can't wrap my dumb brain around maybe in another seance i'll dial somebody in that knows something about that but let's talk about these remaster pushes let's talk about the actual albums and how they were touched up so starting in 1996 that's when you get the first major remastered sabbath collection with uh you know the band at that point forbidden had killed off their uh irs contract and sabbath was going back into like the sabs for reunion mode the hype of course that corresponds with that gives you a little uptick in the masses wanting to buy up the original catalog and kind of shiny new compact discs too 1996 so released on cd only but several times over the year this batch has been kind of released both in uh, europe and japan but this batch of remasters was overseen by ray staff at whitfield street recording studios in london and it was initially distributed only in europe and the set was extensive. It's, it covers all the classic Sabbath studio material right up to the Eternal Idol, as well as re-releasing some Vault stuff, you know, some live shit that was floating around. The Live at Last stuff, uh, Live Evil, both those were given a cleanup to around this time. They didn't touch the IRS Martin era stuff, obviously, as this was, you know, when that whole era started to get buried quickly. Although the outliers like Born Again, Seven Star, Eternal Idol, they all enter the queue here in some kind of way and get expanded editions down the road that would have been part of this batch, I think. But this main run here is often referenced as the Castle Remasters as 
Castle Entertainment was the one distributing it. And the Castle stuff is considered some of the truest, most like badass remasters of the Aussie material. Even to present day, a lot of people favor it. And as hinted at, most UK collections, like right up to 2008, I think, they all draw from this source. So it gets re-released many, many times. And I think it's credited as the source for that like great expanded CD set that we all know and love. I think they used the digital sources that were created in 96 at that point. It's a little brighter, I find, in comparison to the original vinyl pressings as far as listening to the digital copies. And, you know, it's always going to be a little bit of a change there. But it's not, not in a bad way, you know? Like, it's not blown out. In fact, there's a lot of people that prefer it, especially on the early albums, as there is, like, a great clarity to it which freshens up things without sounding too blown out, which happens a little later. It's a pretty great transfer, and it also evens things out between the releases over the years. I mean, you're spanning a couple of decades already at that point, which is good for like the full catalog remaster approach. So you can put Paranoid on and then swap over to Mob Rules, and there isn't like a massive jump in the perceived loudness of the uh, record. So... If you see any of these ones in the used bin, just look on the back, see the little castle thing on them. They're worth grabbing for sure. Like, great uh, CD source to rip from, if that's your deal, you know. But okay, so the next major remaster thing comes out of the United States, and that is the Black Box US remaster by Dan Hirsch and Bill Inglet. And that's... uh, on the Rhino WB label, of course, this batch kind of takes a lot of heat from the audiophiles, and even a Luddite like myself can hear that they kind of jack up the mix a little bit here. I mean, this was during kind of like the loudness wars when this one came out, and these were the first official Sabbath remasters that were in the, distributed in the United States, and they were part of that epic box set called the Black Box, which collected all the Aussie material in, in particular. But the first release that they did of this stuff was a, C- a little CD set, like kind of a best of a set that got me back into Sabbath, actually, because I picked up that one in the early 2000s. And, you know, before that, I only really knew Sabbath through my dad's collection. And I had some cassettes when I was younger, but it was really the first time that I heard the tracks post volume four, you know, and there's a real turning point for my personal fandom. I bought Sabbath Bloody Sabbath shortly after that, and then eventually all the CDs made it into my collection. However, like I said, pretty terrible. <laughs> Very compressed and loud remasters here, especially compared to what we have today. So the black box set, another victim of the loudness war, probably should be avoided. They, the same team did actually do the Dio years and that, those kind of compilations, and they, they touched all the Dio stuff for the Rules of Hell set in like 2007, and that stuff sounds great. But then again, that's another opinion of mine. Like something about the Dio stuff, I don't really care as much <laughs> sonically how it sounds because it sounded good. It sounded 80s. It sounded like what it was. I think just the vibes of the recordings themselves because the early stuff is looser, more organic, by design, it's got a vibe of that fucking 70s, right? So I don't want that fucked with too much. I want to still hear that. And I'll notice if anything is like really, you know, digital and like it stands out when they've been fucking with things. Whereas the Dio stuff is pretty gridded and pretty sterile anyway. So 
the remasters just add a little bit of volume to what's already there for that. So there you go. So the black box remasters kind of close out the first decade of the 2000s. But moving closer to what we want to get to here, we want to get to those super deluxe sets, right? The next remasters, which most of us are probably most familiar with or have in your collections or if you've bought kind of recent releases. And this will definitely segue right into my guest. So a lot of the work that feeds into these super deluxe sets that I'm going to really be talking about today and this, all the Sabbath that you can buy right now, that is the 2009 push forward right up to pretty much present day, like I'm saying, with Andy Pierce and his team. They have definitely found like a much more natural, a much more balanced sound in recent releases, free from all the compression of the black box remasters and more of an emphasis on vinyl releases. So they have a warmth to them, given that vinyl resurgence in recent years. It's personally my favorite of the remaster batches if we're breaking them down into those three that I've mentioned since Pierce has kind of stayed involved over the past decade. There's a bit more quality control, I find. I haven't heard anything really jarring like the previous remasters had. And I find the Pierce stuff less tampered with, more close to the uh, original pressing kind of vibe. Then even the Ray Stahl stuff, the Castle stuff, which seems to be the audiophiles, people's favorites. But I guess it comes down to the mix or the remaster that you spend the most time with. I'm also in the camp that these remasters, these remixes too, that we start getting with the Super Deluxe. It's, it's fucking cool that this, these old albums can be revisited and new things can be heard. So I'm all for it. All for the revisitation of my precious Sabs. Keep them coming. I want every Super Deluxe out there <laughs> eventually. And uh, so on that note, I mean, let's take a look at these most recent ones, the Super Deluxes, and let's get the guest in here, Nate Goyer of the tremendous The Vinyl Guide podcast. Nate, welcome to the seance, man. Thanks. Thank you very much. Wow, this is very, I like the mood in here. A lot of candles, <laughs> uh, the chicken blood on the floor is pretty cool. Awesome. I'll just have a little seat here and... All right, do yeah, we have, you're gonna do throw we, some throw some bones for me there. That's get fine. Some, some actually, I'm kind of hungry. If you don't mind me, kind of finishing some of this chicken off. Um, <laughs> yeah. We don't have to hold hands or anything, do we? Is this okay? To... Uh, not yet. Okay, only if it gets scary. All right. Well, let me know. <laughs> let me know if we need to conjure something. Okay. Good. Thanks for having me on the show, right? <laughs> no problem at all. Thank you for being here. Uh, before we get into the uh, super deluxe talk that I've kind of beamed you in here for, mm-hmm. for those unfamiliar with. The Vinyl Guide Podcast, you want to give maybe like a quick kind of rundown, your MO over there? Sure, sure. Well, the po- the Vinyl Guide Podcast, we talk to record nerds around the world. Um, we've been going for about six years now. We are at episode 300 this week, which is, uh, right. which is you know, a bit of a milestone. And uh, we talk to all sorts of artists and music influencers, I guess, um, about vinyl records, the pivotal music of their life, some of the rare records they've uh, participated in. And uh, we've had a tremendous, you know, run with a, a lot of great guests, many of them Sabbath related. And uh, myself, mm-hmm. I'm a huge Black Sabbath fan. And of course, all the different projects that have spawned from that great group. So uh, I, I, I feel very, uh, uh, very ready to talk Sabbath any, any day of the week. Let's do it. <laughs> Absolutely. And right off the bat, I want to thank you for your podcast, because you actually specifically said like, hey, people use these interviews that I'm doing. And uh, that really 
spawned something in me. And I obviously have used a couple of your interviews throughout the original run of Sabbath Bloody Podcast. I originally found your podcast through the uh, Henry Rollins episode because mm. I just search him all the time because I love listening to him talk. Mm. But I quickly unpacked your back catalog there. Some guests of note here for the Sabbath fans. He had Jimmy Big Bear Simpson on there, the original manager of Black Sabbath. He had Vinny Apice, the crusher of the dehumanizer, Dio. <laughs> awesome yep. stuff. Sir Ian Gillen, grace to you. Uh, Bev Bevan, Glenn Hughes, Tommy Clefloutos, and you had some Aussie legends on there too. Robert Trujillo, Zach motherfucking Wild. You, you've had some tremendous guests, and what I really love about your show is that you get the geek out of them. <laughs> you go into their record collections and stuff like that. And linking directly to today's seance that we've put together here, you've done two interviews actually with uh, Stephen Wilson, mm. who's our man here. That was episode 124, and... 261 respectively if uh i I noticed you do that in all your episodes you 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 like have your catalog and you like (laughs) yeah that's what i have the notes in front of me but then sometimes (laughs) it's like when did i talk to jello biafra that was probably 140 something or whatever yeah it's a it's all a bit of a blur sometimes unless i have notes but if anyone wants to see the whole catalog, go to thevinylguide.com. Just scroll through them, and all the podcasts are up there. There's no paywall or anything like that. And no. you can just pick and pull and put it on your podcast app and just enjoy whatever you want. So, uh, yeah, 300 episodes. And, and I got a couple others coming that I think you're going to be really interested in. But I'll, I'll talk to you Ooh. about them as the time gets closer. Nate's the king of the teas. Aren't you? Yeah, you've teased me a couple of times on the DMs saying like, uh, tune in this week. And then like, you may want to listen to this episode <laughs> around 13 minutes and 40 seconds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. So today specifically, because you are the master of all vinyl, oh, um, my, my, or sorry, my vinyl Sherpa, at least. Yep. There you go. We're going to talk about these glorious, super deluxe treatments that we've been getting from mm. the Sabs quite recently. So we'll kick it off. We'll just go through them, um, and then we'll give kind of our general thoughts while we're going through on each disc. Or sure, uh, you're the vinyl dude, but like you know, the CDs. Uh, it's basically like the components of each one. So I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of which ones on what side of which disc and all that stuff because sure. it gets pretty messed up between the two. But just to be clear, there's three of yeah. them out right now, and then a fourth on the way. Is that that's the, right? Do I have the count right? Okay. Yeah, because that's I, where we're at. Depending on when I release this episode, maybe. Because <laughs> I buy if it says Black Sabbath, and especially these super deluxe box sets, I just get it. I mean, yeah. no questions, no questions. Asked. And uh, but I, I hope I'm not missing one. I don't think I am. But yeah, I've got I have them right in front of me here. I've got the Paranoid Super Deluxe. I've got the Volume Four yep. and the Sabotage. And I'll be honest, Technical Ecstasy, I never been my favorite Sabbath album by a long Ooh. shot. But I'm still getting guys. Yeah, well, (laughs) the cocaine years are very hazy for them, right? You know, it's very spotty. I I, I would, it would be. I would have thought that that would be one that would really interest you because sonically, it's pretty interesting. We'll get to it in order here. Okay, Uh, we'll start with Paranoid, of course. Um, So Paranoid, actually, the kind of, I guess the the real guts of of that one as a super deluxe happened a lot earlier than this three run that you have in front of you here the holy trinity that oh, has God, appeared below <laughs> <laughs> 
So that was originally released back in November of uh, 2016 as a CD only kind of release. It was still called Super Deluxe, I believe, and it's pretty similar mm -hmm. um, as far as like the work that went into that. It does appear in these new ones that it, that launched the what we know as kind of the the vinyl run of the the Super Deluxe, mm -hmm. which. For Paranoid, it was the first one in those as well. You got it in front of you there. You can pull out the guts mm -hmm. and we can kind of look at it. Sure. First first bit is the the booklet. And the mm. one of the best things about these super deluxe box sets is the, the, the literature that comes with it and the work that goes into actually creating this. Because while I listen to the records, I like to have something to kind of flip through. And yeah. in my opinion, Sabbath has knocked it out of the park with these great time period pieces you know you you've got the paranoid box set right i do that's the only one that i've actually purchased i've been okay. a little so one if people if people haven't seen this box set inside the booklet um like this picture i think is amazing because this is an actual picture here of Ozzy's hands holding a lyric sheet and if you look mm. really close you could see that it's the lyrics for war pigs so this yeah. picture was taken at the the within moments of him singing those lyrics maybe he was tidying them up but I'd say within an hour of this photo being taken he cut those vocals which all of us have yeah. reverberating around yeah operating. that photo session is amazing uh, from mm -hmm. the paranoid sessions in Regent Sound Studios there's some amazing shots of bill just in his pajamas top there with the stars and just like this the like shittiest little hack together kit oh it's beauty mm -hmm. geezer well, with a stripped down p base oh it's beauty love what, that shot what do you like most about these box sets right um well see uh, i'm not a i'm not big on the tchotchkes and <laughs> with, along with my vinyls i do love the way that they've done these books and they kind of set the standard early here with the the paranoid box and it carries through the the other two boxes that have come out mm -hmm. kind of the poster the the hardcover book and then uh kind of a recreation of, of a tour book around the time which yeah. i guess is supposed to pair with the live album that's in there as well kind of thing but it's not necessarily this, the program from the show that it was so some of it feels uh, i personally like the original pressings and getting as close to the actual artwork of the original pressing. Mm -hmm. So when uh, we'll get into maybe after we go through all these, I'll talk about like my gripes kind of with it. Okay. All right. Starting with the paranoid one, the remaster that's in there is just the, the 2012 Andy Pierce remaster that we mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. um, so you're not getting much in the way sonically there other than a, a it, they must have done some kind of touch-up to get it to vinyl as opposed to the digital formats that it was released in before or pulled it from, you know, the I'll, other. I'll go so far as to say the actual album of Paranoid in this box set is probably the weakest part of it. Mm. Um, because uh, what they've done to the albums and some of the other ones, I think is yeah. stupendous. This is mm. something... Th that wasn't something new, right? So. Yes it's fine it's like okay another copy of paranoid like i don't already have four of them and different four that's fine i just yeah. i listen to it fine fair enough stick that aside let's let's get to the other stuff yeah 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 i hear you so i think the worst part is the is the second disc which is the quad mix that has been folded down into a stereo oh, it okay. doesn't really do anything for me as far as 
what comes out when I listen to that one as opposed to the uh, the original or the the remaster that that comes on there. It, it would have been nice, you know, like if one thing I find with these super deluxes. And I'm already getting into my gripes. <laughs> it sounds like I don't like these. Yeah, this, this guy only buys one of them, and he wants to do a whole episode on Super Deluxe. But uh, essentially, like, I would have liked it to be more of a hybrid and maybe concentrated so the vinyls actually meant something as, as far as, like, mm-hmm. you got the, the remaster there. Maybe even you go back to the original kind of vibe, if you can, in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that when there's, like, a remaster and then the original master mix or whatever but i uh, guess with this they're yeah, uh, the cleanup they're kind of pushing that so <laughs> i kind of think uh, so paranoid to me this box the super deluxe box set it was the first one that they put together right mm-hmm. and to me it's kind of like okay this is the first monkey they shot in the space it's like they're kind of figuring <laughs> out what works what doesn't and i think they they stumbled upon okay a live album actually works well Mm-hmm. The booklet works well. Maybe the alternative mixes don't work so well. Or maybe they're good for CD because it's yeah. there's cheaper, but then putting it all on vinyl, it kind of makes it a little bit, you know, a bit heavy there. So um, yeah. I, I always see Paranoid, this box set is like, okay, this is their first shot at it, at putting together yeah. this detailed box set. They're learning what works and what doesn't. And to me, this is kind of the template of which they start to build on some of the other ones, which I think continually get better and better yeah that's a good way of looking at it for sure and and since this actually built from that uh original kind of cd set as well yeah uh yeah it, for sure it's kind of and it does it sets the the template as far as like like i said the 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 also includes part of it doesn't yeah. really change very much uh, throughout it but the discs definitely do mm-hmm. should also mention the uh live in europe this is the reason that i really wanted it was the the live in europe 1970 kind of comp they kind of pull into iconic bootlegs that are out there um the uh montreux show in switzerland that's uh 1970 Mm -hmm. and then a brussels show from 1970 as well so apparently the montreux show is just it's a soundboard and it's pretty similar as far as to some bootlegs that are out there or some cleanups that are out there but for the brussels show it is noted that they went back to the original master tapes from a public broadcast that it was on uh rtbf master tapes it says is what it's sourced from uh were so these, uh, were these popular bootlegs beforehand I, yeah yeah okay. for sure yeah there's the early years bootlegs around there and stuff like that and i kind of always group this stuff together with like the the have you seen like the video footage uh or the film footage of like from paris and stuff like that where it starts with ozzy sweeping the floors and it's it's like one of the most iconic as far as like just seeing like yeah 70s sabbath actually playing it yeah it's kind of in that cycle so this was kind of cool to have a the earliest live set really that's clean like that Mm -hmm. because the bootlegs that come before that are just you really have to be into it to listen to like the the mythology like the right. earlier the like the, the earth days kind of stuff that's out there but that rounds out the set there so you do have the, the standards kind of set here to have a remaster and a live set so why why haven't they done a super a, a master of reality super deluxe <laughs> that's one of the that's one of the gripes right there is just a the releasing schedule how maddening it is isn't it um 
Yeah, from what I can gather, it seems to be the ones that they can get their hands on to to round out kind of this template that's been set by Paranoid, which is having that live set, that big soundboard live set in there. There's not really one of those around the the Master of Reality specific uh, era. So that could hold it up a little bit, maybe. And then uh, s- there has been the expanded edition that has come out of it, and there's some definitely some outtakes. There's even that's one of the very few actual unreleased songs that came out is "Weevil Woman," which is a kind of it's a demo song that they did. They included right. that on the expanded edition of Master of Reality. So there is some like floating around some stuff that could fill out a disc, but I don't know what it is. I think it's just maybe the the accessibility to. Hmm. Uh, stuff that they can work with, um, play around with. But I think, I, I don't know, they must be saving up. My theory is they're saving something up for Master of Reality. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think that they would, if they went sequentially, yeah. it would go from great to meh. Right, <laughs> right <laughs> you right. know, I'd be worried. Where are they going to go? Are they, you know, is there going to be a thirteen box set? Probably not. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, do you really want to end it on "Never Say Die"? I, right. I, I think, I think they're kind of they're they're skipping around. But I think they, I, I will bet, you know, that they've got some something really interesting in mind, and we will see a Master of Reality box set. Um, yeah. I think it's just going to take them uh, a little bit more time to, to kind of pull it all together. But what, what, what is interesting, and, and maybe getting into the Volume 4 box set, those outtakes yeah. are interesting because you start to hear the song kind of coming together. Mm-hmm. And it made me realize, like, um, I assume that artists go into the studio these days, because studio time is almost always so expensive, they have all their shit together. They know exactly what's happening with the with the music. They go in, they execute it pretty much as they've rehearsed it and constructed it, and that's it, right? Um, yeah. But this volume four, especially, reminded me that okay, the, back in the day, they this is where they would ideate. This is where they yes. would, you know, let the song take its shape, and and um, uh, so hearing what could have been uh you know a given track um to me is quite interesting it makes me very glad that the track worked it out and it also makes me think if they would have even spent two more hours on this song what else could it have been so to me it kind of opens up more the 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 what if part of my brain uh on the songs than anything which is which is super deluxe in itself, you know, and that's a different experience you're getting with the music, and that's yeah. So we're t- we've already segued into their volume four, mm-hmm. released in February of 2021. Um, original albums on there, but it's a newly remastered uh, version. Andy Pierce again came on, but it's a 2021 remix, mm-hmm. so it's a little di- or remastered, so it's a bit different than. Uh, you know what we got in kind of previous vinyl reissues, mm-hmm. and not much, not much different. So let me let me just say, Ryan, with all yeah. due respect, you're fucking wrong. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you're wrong. This okay. this version of of volume four of vinyl, at least on my system, to yeah. me, this is my go to vinyl version now, and okay. I've got the. I've got the Vertigo swirl version. I've got the 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 early US pressing. Um, uh-huh. and 
This version in the Super Deluxe box set is my favorite. And awesome. it doesn't, and, and uh, being kind of an analog guy, I know part of what I'm supposed to do on the podcast is advocate vinyl purity and analog and right. all that shit, right? Um, and it's, you know, it's it's heresy if I start to say anything that's touched digital <laughs> is sounds good at all. But no, this right. version in the Super Deluxe box set absolutely rules. Um, okay. And I think a lot of it is just, um, uh, is this the, the Stephen Wilson one? Uh, no, that one's it's Andy Pierce and that team. Um, okay, but it's an updated one. So, what I was talking Steven about, I was comparing others? it. I was comparing it to the previous one with um, Andy Pierce had done previous to this as well. Oh, what does so, Stephen Wilson do on this one? Stephen Wilson, he does the next discs. Uh, so, so the outtake new mixes, those are all Stephen Wilson. So he had touches on that. So they, there's actually like a full version of uh, wheels of confusion changes, super not snow blind, all the stuff that's on that, uh, that second outtakes disc was touched by him. And one thing I never know, this is, maybe this is just a vinyl thing, but you know, when they say like it's remixed by so-and-so or it's remastered by Mm so-and-so when, when you remix something, wouldn't there automatically be another remaster attached to that as well? Yeah. So like it, it was remixed and remastered by him, right? But well, you would have to. Be, people would right. just say, re- yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just always wondered that because they never have like the the remastering in there as well. But I guess yeah. just remixing encompasses all that comes after it. Kind of yeah, thing, right? I would assume yeah. so. Yeah, they, they there's yeah. no way to to remix without a remaster. Yeah, um, that's but, just something I'm wrapping my head around with this seance, anyway. So <laughs> I just thought but, I'd ask you. <laughs> oh, that's right. We're still seancing. All right. Um, let's, hey, let's relight some of these candles. Are these are these do they have fragrances on them? That's very I got a nice. couple of like a well, that might just be my patchouli. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's just my patchouli. Yeah, it's <laughs> my man. Be at heart. Um, so uh, to me, this version of Volume Four, I just hear the bass a lot crisper. I yep. hear it to where it's it's tonality and the um, again, at least on my system, I think it sounds superior. So, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I was comparing it to another uh, previous mm-hmm. uh, pr- uh, Pierce one. So it's it's sure. not as different from that. Have you listened to like the Sanctuary repressings or uh, the the Rhino? Uh, no, Look, I, yeah, yeah I, it's I, it's pretty similar to that. But I totally agree with you as far as like um, I would favor this over listening to like an older pressing. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got an old older. Uh, it's a Warner's one, but it's a '80s Warner's reissue one. Right. Uh, I would definitely take it over that um, Mm because you're right. Uh, One thing you notice too, and just skipping ahead to the the second disc, the new mixes that uh, Stephen Wilson did, those ones especially, like just hearing Bill Ward stuff cleaned up a little bit more and like the percussion and the crazy shit that he's doing on this album, it's um, Mm mind-blowing, the the rhythmic stuff he does, which gets kind of lost when it's on some of the original mixes because, you know, you got that, big iomi and uh, mm-hmm. geezer up front driving it but just hearing some of the little taps that he's putting in there on the congas and whatever crap he has in the, yeah <laughs> in the studio uh 100%. so yeah uh, yeah so volume four again and that's actually where i started my black sabbath box sets i saw paranoid oh, okay. come out and i was like yeah okay maybe um and then i went to volume four Mm-hmm. And then I got that. To me, that was the one where I, where I started off, and then I just kind of had that holy shit moment. This is great, 
right? Yeah, that's the holy shit one for sure. And then I went back to the metal record store, Utopia, here in Sydney, and I'm like, okay, give me the uh, the, nice. the paranoid one. And then yeah. that was again a bit of a step down because I, I already had the because the, the paranoid version isn't as great. I could see that. I can see that. Is. But I'm but by then I'm hooked. If yeah. they're you know I like the direction they're going here, for sure. And what do you think about the? Um, you mentioned it kind of earlier actually, but the the alternative takes. I guess it's the third desk. Yeah, mm. that one has. Wheels of Confusion with a false start, some st- studio dialogue, and then an alt- it has four full kind of takes of it. Um, that's mm. really cool, like to unpack a, a song like that. Uh, yeah. You see the evolution of the song happening. I will yeah. say, I got the impression listening to the out, and I've only listened to the outtakes once. Um, mm. I get, I, I remember thinking to myself, they've gone from best to worst. Like they like they, they they put all the really good stuff up front in those records, which captured my attention. And then after a while, it was like, oh, this is just kind of now kind of really getting old. <laughs> so, oh yeah, yeah, I could see that. So they go through the wheels of confusion like big time there. Get all the takes. Maybe you just burnt out on wheels of confusion. I, maybe, <laughs> or I think what they did was they probably had three sides of really good stuff. And the, but they yeah. need that fourth side. So they're like, okay, what else we got here? Okay, yeah, that'll do, that'll do, that'll do. Yeah. Exactly. Uh. Yeah, that could happen. Uh, of course, they close with Under the Sun is like my favorite uh, Black Sabbath song, but I don't really need to hear an alternative take with a Aussie guide vocal on it. Uh, I certainly don't need that on vinyl. Or, or studio dialogue. It's like, okay, yeah. you, do, you know, okay, that's Tony Iommi saying something. All right, that's, that's good. <laughs> Do we need it on record? Okay. But uh, I do like that Ozzy is asked, what, what song is this called? It's called Bullocks. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Bullocks take one. <laughs> it would have been cool to hear some of the studio banter during like Cornucopia or one of the songs that they apparently all butted heads over. You know, that's some of the lore oh. that uh, during these sessions, of course, these sessions took, took place in the uh, Stradella mansion there with tons of cocaine. And that's why it's kind of cool to peer in there and, and, get these kind of like alternate takes because i think they just kept rolling and rolling and rolling they were kind of like they had the the mansion rigged for sound so that's why this stuff exists and even they're they're all at these different phases of getting high and so you never know it's like you know everyone else is in a good spot and then if bill ward isn't then it's like oh god it falls apart so (laughs) they have to keep the tape rolling so all of them can eventually have their (coughs) their their drugs sync up (laughs) (laughs) It's too bad we didn't get some alternate versions of effects, right? Yeah. <laughs> alternate Look. takes of Tony Iommi running at his guitar <laughs> naked. But also with this set, which is tremendous, is uh, the Live in the UK 1973 mm-hmm. uh, live disc that component to this. So this one is something that's already familiar to Sabbath, just general Sabbath fans, because it it's kind of taking this stuff from the Live at Last album, which is pretty widely distributed. Um, has been reissued also as past lives and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they gave it the full treatment and it's tremendous. I love this disc. Uh, they went right back to the 16 track analog tapes. They actually pulled together the session too, because the original, the live at last, they, they obviously, they, the band listened to it and they were going to release that as an album back in the seventies mm-hmm. and they scrapped it because they didn't like how it sounded. Or, um, and then of course the whole, kerfuffle mm-hmm. happened around sabotage uh, and the, the catalog being taken away from them and it was 
you know, release without their, their consent really. Um, but also that version that we've always been hearing is a split of two shows, Mm -hmm. London and Manchester. So what they did with this though, which was kind of cool going back to those original tapes, they tried to make it as complete of a show as possible. So on the live at last one, tomorrow's dream, sweet leaf and Snowblind are all from the Manchester show. They found it's the same set obviously between the two. Um, Mm -hmm. So they pulled the ones that were actually on the rainbow as well. So this version of it is actually quite different as far as it's more one show. Mm-hmm. The only outliers now would be uh, Killing Yourself to Live and Cornucopia because uh, obviously they didn't pull those across. But that's kind of cool that they, they, they looked at the material and they tried to make something a little new for the mm-hmm. people that are already familiar with you know, stuff that's been released. I'll bet you, I'll bet you there's at least... Another half a dozen shows that are release worthy. Yeah. That they're holding for one reason or another. Yeah. Well, in these ones, that that's why <laughs> when you look at kind of the release schedule, I do take that in ones that are readily accessible because you know they touched this up during the, uh, when they went back and did the past lives version mm-hmm. of Live at Last. So those sessions would have been touched up at that point or cleaned up. And so mm-hmm. I guess some of the work was done. Uh, it's probably a bit more of a chore to go in and really, especially with this older stuff. I mean, when you had Steven on your show, like the way mm-hmm. that he was explaining how the process happened, like he doesn't get to touch the masters, right? But right. there is a whole team that has to restore all that stuff and clean it up. And yeah, I, I was thinking how you said, they bake it too, right? And get yeah. rid of all the old, uh, <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. germs are breeding well, in there. Well, you know what, you know, you know, the difference, there's a difference between the tape from 1972 from the oil embargo. Do you know that story? No. Okay. Magnetic tape was made, you know, uh, with a very similar formula uh, from the 1950s into the early 1970s. Um, When the oil embargo hit, we're around 72, 73, something like that, they had to change um, uh, the compounds in magnetic tape. And another thing that also impacted the the compounds within magnetic tape was um the save the whales movement they also old tapes used to have um a, a portion of whale oil in okay. the formula that made magnetic tapes and then when they started doing save the whales okay we're no right. longer gonna you know we're not gonna do this we're gonna add a different chemical compound and so all tapes made from around 1972-73 to current don't have yeah. whale oil, and they have different elements that make up the tape. I'm not a chemist, oh, okay. but that's right. essentially kind of what happened, right? So mm-hmm. any tapes made from that period, they only last about 20 years. And when they do unearth a tape that was made, like, say, in 1976 or something like that, they have right. to bake it. And they bake it to make sure that the tape adheres to the... Um, uh, oh, it's there's a surface of the tape. Um, okay. If they don't bake it properly, they'll run it through a tape player and it'll just disintegrate. It'll, oh. So they have to bake it so the glue kind of adheres itself so they can get one pass to back everything up and then the tape is dust. Oh, wow, okay. So, so, yeah. so does that mean that the original... Volume four tapes are probably just trash from the, this probably process? Probably trash, yeah. They, I mean, yeah. I'm sure they probably kept them. Maybe they could think about some some way to restore them. But yeah, right. they have to bake them to where they get that first pass out of it. Wow. Um, maybe they can get a second. I, I, I've never 
kind of dive too deep in beyond that. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, so that's when they say they have to bake tapes. They have to, mm. you know, there's a whole, there's a whole, I'm sure there's videos and wiki articles on how to do that. Yeah. So Super Deluxe Volume 4, I think this is, this is the pinnacle, I would say. Yeah, it's, it's, it definitely sets a new standard in comparison yeah. to the, yeah, the first one. Mm-hmm. I do also like in this one, it's got, as much as I said before, I don't really care about having a poster in there. The poster's really cool as far as like what it is, because have you heard that that's actually a, a promo poster, a replica, you know, obviously a replica of a promo poster when the album was called Snowblind before yeah. they switched it to, so that was kind of going to be part of their promotional material. So that's kind of a cool one to see, because at least it's got a historic uh, kind of thing it's to it too. The interesting. The, the, okay, so back in the day, people didn't see these posters as collectible they didn't mm-hmm. see these records as collectible. They would just use them. They would put these snowblind posters on their wall, or they would do whatever, whatever, right? Yeah. They would put it on the wall. If, if this if this album, this box set came out in 1975, it would have, you know, people would have taken all the parts out, cut them up, done whatever. It would have been, yeah. you know. Now... Made, made a pair of pants out of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so- then that way... and. And now everyone's got this collector's mindset that they're like, okay, I've got a poster, but I'm never going to take it out. I'm never going to hang it on a wall. I'm never going to do anything like this. So however many box sets they made of this, let's say it's 10,000. I swear there's probably 995 of them that are in the exact same beautiful shape as this one. Yeah, People aren't using the posters. People are doing it. It's a nice, interesting artifact to look at and go, hmm, interesting. Then fold it up, put it back in the box. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of why I like it to be more. I like the book part because it's collected. That's something that you will actually pull out of the box and keep it somewhere. I, I mean, I got my paranoid one yeah. just in with my other Sabbath books, like my Martin Popoff books and shit. Yeah. So uh, it's something I'll grab every once in a while and flip through. So mm-hmm. yeah, you know what? One thing that I wish they kind of did. I don't know if they could have done it in the book or as a kind of tchotchke the, <laughs> the side mm-hmm. of it. But the alternate covers is. Um, are amazing for volume four master of reality in particular when they come out with that i would just love a coffee table book that you just flip through and see the cover color variants right oh yeah Um, but it would be cool to see a bit more of that i mean i know there's little small ones like within the book but just like the full size kind of you can engage with each cover that would be kind of cool especially since it's it is already close to the size you know that would would be that would be let's segue into the latest one that came out there Talk a little oh, sabotage. Yes. Sabotage. At least in uh, June of 2021. This is kind of the newest one that's actually available for us to hold here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this one, I guess you could look at it as a step back from what they did for the Volume 4 stuff as far as how much they touched the material and gave you something new. Um, it's got the original album, newly remastered again, 2021 Mm-hmm. But I this one definitely is a lot different than my other remap, Pierce remaster. Uh, yeah, I find it really comes alive. Yeah, um, where do you put this in the list? As far as like sabotage itself? No, the the um, the the box set. Oh, within the box sets list. Yeah, uh, yeah. This one, of course, I don't have a physical version of it yet, so I can't really speak to it but as far as mm-hmm. knowing what's on it and listening to the digital versions obviously of um how they've mm-hmm. cleaned it up i'd say 
it's it's on par with with Paranoid. I probably like Paranoid more just because I like Paranoid the album more. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I thought it I thought it came together really really nicely. I, the the one thing I I I I think they did right in the Sabotage set that they didn't do elsewhere was the um, the forty five. Oh, you into that one? Okay, a lot of people complain about that as a toss in, but I think that's cool too. Well, um, I think it's a damn cool toss in. Like yeah. I, I, I again, it's not going to be something to where I'm like every day or even once a twice a year I'll be like, oh, I want to listen to that it, single. It's yeah. one of those things to where I look at the box set, I'm like, yeah, it's a good album, good job. Takes it. Oh yeah, that single. You know, it's like yeah, it's, yeah. it's like a it's a it's a piece of candy on the pillow, right? Yeah, and it's one of those things you you'd be more likely to not have it sit in the box. You know, you'd have it out somewhere, put it in with the rest of your singles, and a hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. And it's funny because they did that supersonic set where they did all the singles and they did the reissue kind of box mm-hmm. set that's all the singles. And you'd think that they did toss it in here, but that would be yeah. I'd, I'd take that as a as a little toss in every in everyone. The one thing about this box set also, and I've seen a lot of them that had the same thing. I don't know how many other people have it. This is the only box set where it has like the covers kind of bubbling up. Oh yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of other box sets that have this bubbling up, so I'm. I don't know if they're probably they're probably testing it so they can do the master reality one next. Maybe I hope so. (laughs) I hope so. Um, It's also got Bill Ward, nice big picture of Bill Ward with those red tights. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Did they did they emboss his little nibby? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Really making dimensions. Yeah, and so also with that set, so you only have the newly remastered uh, one disc of the of the actual album there, and then mm-hmm. the live stuff. It goes straight into that with the um, one of the greatest bootlegs. I actually have this as a bootleg, so I was kind of mm-hmm. like, I wish that there was something different in there, but also like I've heard that they've done a good job of, uh, you know, at least pressing it better than what my bootleg will be. Right. But there has been some talk that people say that it is just um, a lossy digital kind of version of it. So they weren't quite sure if they, they went back to any kind of masters on it. There's like the old, the cutoff at the certain amount of Hertz or whatever they complain about the, the mm-hmm. real audio files suggesting that it is a lossy kind of format that it's from. But this show is phenomenal. I mean, even my bootleg, I have one of the best things in my collection as far as putting on for live Sabbath uh, other than, mm-hmm. you know, you know, if I don't feel like doing live evil, uh, I'll I'll put this one on for sure for my uh, OG mm-hmm. Aussie Sabs Four. Is this the best uh, Sabbath live recording? It's it's right in the wheelhouse. I mean, seventy five is definitely their height as far as if I had a time machine and I was going to go back and see them mm-hmm. live. Seventy five, the set lists were great then. This one, you, you get killing yourself to live as the opener. That's top three Sabbath for me. Um, love right. that song. Um, I'm a big Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath fan, obviously. Uh, you can tell by the t- title of the mm-hmm. show. But uh, that one has always been one of my favorites. And uh, they have the jam on here is great. It's one of the, the, the more variety-ridden jams. They always throw different riffs in and stuff or, like that. But they do this one based on so, so Sabracadabra is the one that they start. And then they go into jam and then re- replay to the Sabracadabra. Mm-hmm. But you get some like into the void and like little little riffs in there and stuff like that. Um, there's something I I, about that seventy Sabbath, just that live experience of it. It is something to behold when you listen to it as a full burn through, and you right. get kind of that in between. 
Um, and I like that they apparently have done that because it's only the the main disc, and then this is uh, is this across three three LPs. Three, yep. Is one of the sides just like Cyber Cadaver Jam? One <laughs> is no, two of uh, no Megalomania Cyber Cadaver side six Jam one Jam two okay Super Not <laughs> yeah. Jam one including guitar solo Jam two including drum solo and Super Not. So <laughs> you fit that all on the label. <laughs> that's what it says. <laughs> um. I don't know. But I, yeah, I, you definitely get a feel for the live Sabbath vibe. Uh, I, I love. I liked the what they did with the album of Volume Four best sonically, but mm-hmm. I like what they've done with the packaging of Sabotage the best because it has that one album, you know. And I yeah. and I I didn't have much of an opinion on whether. I mean, it sounded like a fine version of the album. I I yeah. didn't really think to compare it much with with my original. Um, but I'm sure it's fine. Uh, but then the big commitment to the live album. Uh, I also like the the single, obviously. But yep. it has the the poster, which uh, I could take it or leave it. But it had the tour program replica, and it had the booklet. And to me, between those two things and even the single, it was a lot of stuff to kind of play with while I listened to the live album. That's cool, yeah. And another thing, another reason I like the Sabotage box is at the at this time in the sabbath career hmm. they had a lot more press and so there's a lot more interesting press clippings and perspective in this booklet you know I'm, I'm oh, yeah. reading through the booklet it's like compare it to like paranoid where they were just getting little blurbs and you know different magazines they weren't really yeah. saying a lot they were misspelling ozzy's name they didn't have facts <laughs> right now you know sabotage they're really kind of in the mainstream, well, not mm-hmm. mainstream media, but I'm mean, the mainstream music press. Right. Um, so you get a lot more perspective and interesting articles on them. So that's oh, cool. Reading the booklet, reading the, I, I'm able to pick up a lot more information. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to just drop the cash and get it. <laughs> you got go support that your record store. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Quit, quit being a cheap bastard. Just go in there. And <laughs> you run the Black Sabbath podcast. For Christ's sake, yeah, buy but that I'm, box I'm out. trying to get that hookup where they just send them to me automatically. I think, again, the, the package that they got to for Sabotage, again, it's it's another level. It's they're yeah. getting it right. They're fine tuning it. Um, if you know, out of 100%, if if Paranoid was 70, volume four went to 90, this <laughs> went to like 95, right? Um, which is making me really curious about this uh, this next uh, uh, technical ecstasy, what they're going to be doing with that. That's right. Yeah, it's been announced October first too, so not not long away. Do you have um, your order in? We got our pre. I got my pre order, and you got yours. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. The oh. day. Yeah, you're yeah, getting it from a brick and mortar, right? No, of Amazon? course. Okay, Utopia cool. Records in Sydney. <laughs> they're the metal shop. I give them my money at any opportunity I can. Yeah, fuck Amazon. On this Tech X one coming up, I am kind of excited about what they might do with the live disc. That's always something that intrigues me ahead of these mm-hmm. releases. And I've kind of assumed when I looked at the uh, the running order there, it's it matches up pretty much verbatim with a, a, a bootleg that I found actually randomly in a used shop. Somebody mm. had a bootleg Sabbath. Uh, Pittsburgh Ecstasy it was called, but it's a Pittsburgh show at Civic uh, Arena. And mm-hmm. it matches up pretty much with that. 
there's no paranoid on it, which is which is what puts it aside from some of the other okay. ones I've seen. Even in the track listing, they said no paranoid to close. So it leads me to believe that it's going to be that show, which is great because okay. that's a great soundboard. Um, okay. Yeah. Here we go. You're in charge of the next Black Sabbath box set. What do you do? Who, who do we move to next after Tech X? <sighs> well, see, originally people were had these theories of like, it's only even numbers. It's only this. That's completely out the window. I think unless, you know, I want there to be a born again thing and hearing those little things about them finding the tapes. I know that they're going to be working on it, but I don't think that's going to be the next one. I think they're going to take some time with that. Um, no, you're in charge. You're in oh, charge. <laughs> I'm in charge. I'm born again. <laughs> born again. Okay. Now I, what's, I, I whip them. <laughs> okay. Now, now what's in it? What's in that box set? Oh, that one. Oh God. You got to have the manor tapes. Uh, which are the kind of leaked uh there's it was a mix that was uh apparently Bill Ward had it mixed down to a cassette for his car to listen to mm-hmm. and his girlfriend at the time when they had a breakup or whatever like had it in possession and then leaked it back way back in the day and it got bootlegged and whatever that kind of thing right but it does have some cool progress stuff on it um you know, I just want to know what's in these canisters they've found, how deep it goes. I assume okay. it would be great to have Steven get in there and uh, fuck around with it if he can. Uh, um, but okay. if, if we're only getting, um, you know, a remaster, a Pierce remaster of it, uh, as far as like the added stuff, I'd want to see live. I'd like to see the Renning show, the Renning 80, 82 or 83. Okay. Because okay. uh, what I've heard of that, and I've only heard a couple of tracks from that one, whereas there's some more complete shows from the Born Again era that are soundboards and they're great and stuff. But what I've heard from that, that was a special day where they were charged, I think it was early in the cycle. And, right. you know, it's Deep Purple and Black Sabbath, so they were all jacked up on it. And this, the audience in Renning, obviously, responds well to that cocktail. I think Bev Bevan talked about that on the show. Yeah, I think he did. He, he did, did mention that wasn't it one of his first gigs or something like that. Like something like I that. I think that's when the when the this the well it would have been. So cause after, Born Again is your favorite Sabbath album, is that right? Well, it's not my favorite, but I am definitely in the camp of loving, uh, right. loving all the fuckery around it, it. That album divides people, yeah. As I understand it, but I have yet to talk to anyone who really despises that album. I think everyone has this love for it about. But some people are um, more uh, uh, um, bummed out than others that it didn't get a proper uh, yeah. mix, right? I think the, 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 the heat that it gets or like how it gets pushed down a lot is in the rankings and stuff like that. I always find it's very low in those because mm-hmm. you're putting it up against these uh, you know immaculate Dio platters and all that stuff. So, like sonically, it is kind of a bit abrasive in, in mm-hmm. its current state. I will, I will agree with that. But if you look at the songs and the, the, how unique they are with Gillen at the front and at that exact point right before he in his voice, I just he's just a madman on it, um, and I just get excited by that. It's just mm-hmm. it's such a thrill to listen to it every time I listen to it. It's a thrill, even though it is grating. <laughs> yeah, just if they just brought. It's it's the drums that really fuck it up, and then also Iomi's lead tone is like, <laughs> you know, like it's yeah, it's right in your ears. But, but riff wise, Zero riff-wise. the Hero is top three. 
Oh, it's, it's up be, right? there for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's a killer for sure. Um, it's groove for days, and I love keep it warm. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a great closer there on the album. And uh, I, I, disturbing the priest is one of the wackiest riffs for the time. If you actually think about it, it's so harmonic and, and weird yeah. and like disorientating, uh, and almost has kind of like a, a newer kind of. And I don't want to say new metal, but it's like got this this weird syncopation to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's unfortunate that you can't hear what's going on with Bill because he does do some really cool stuff in there. I, I I will say probably their worst lyrics are "digital bitch." <laughs> I'll agree with you there. That song has grown on me, but on my first pass of that one, I was like, "What is this?" Uh, especially where it sat. <laughs> well, when, when I was young, when I was young, because uh, the the story, my story of born again is i i bought it's the first sabbath album i bought with my own money oh, okay I, I got my i had older brothers and sisters and they had paranoid and i think they had one other one and, and i got to hear them you know just because they had it but then here comes born again and i'm all of a sudden i've got a little money in the pocket and i'm like hey <laughs> now i'm gonna this is my turn and i brought home yeah. born again i don't know whether I like it because I forced myself to like it because I, Cause you know, it's only album. It's my only album, and or, at that time I spent, you know, what was it probably six bucks, which probably took me a week or two to make. So yeah. I was like, you better like it because this is all you're getting, right? Um, and so, but it just it wore into my head, and yeah. um, so I I absolutely love the album. And when I was young, listen, digital bitch. I guess that's kind of the digital bitch fit into the time. Yeah. You know, you know, with all the other hair metal bands and stuff that we're talking about, that kind of crap. But now yeah. it's it's one of the it's one of the Black Sabbath songs that really dates badly. It, it's dated, yeah. I don't like the melody he does either. Like that's what throws me off more. I'm just like, ooh. Like the rest of the riffs are kind of cool and it flows. Uh, yeah, he pushes his voice at cool ways, but that part is just cheesy. And then what he's saying as well, like it's a perfect storm of just shit. <laughs> yeah. I was a, that's another thing we said when we were because I, so I was on this the Deep Purple podcast which you should check out if you haven't checked them out before they do mm-hmm. deep dives on Deep Purple connections and stuff like that they'd love to talk to you about vinyl probably um, but we said that when we were going through it it's like we should they should rename Stockholm Syndrome to Born Again Syndrome because it's like the more time you spend with it you start forgiving the tones and stuff like that yeah but then if you go back and isolatedly listen to like the last song it's not better than Trash you know like the, the whole thing is doing that but it just it works well, its way in and it's I it's think, a testament to the songs being badass that uh, you actually give it that time to to sink in like that I heard uh, I heard a theory I'm not sure where I got it from but I heard a theory that uh born again the sequencing is really bad and mm-hmm. if you t- if you resequence the songs and there was a there was a suggestion online of how to do it it made a yeah. lot more sense oh, okay um uh, I'll have to look it up but I ju- I did resequence it digitally and listen to it it's like yeah I guess that flows a lot better yeah. the way the the album really kind of closes i think not on a triumphant kind of thing it it, it seems to go from they, they seem to have front-loaded that album quite a bit mm, yeah. um so uh but but you i think came out from your website your uh your your podcast that they just rediscovered the born again tapes that's right yeah so, yeah it was kind of leaked by iomi there in an interview and then confirmed in certain ways um that's exciting right I mean, a super deluxe with that, that, that a blue box. <laughs> that, would, that would be awesome. That yeah, would be if awesome. they went full on and just put the cover 
all over it, that would be really okay. Cool. Uh, this is right <laughs> box set, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's born again. It's yep. blue. It's that annoying blue color. Oh yeah, right? the whole box blue. is that color. The whole box is blue. Even the right. spine, everything. Yeah, it's yeah, gonna stand out. It's gonna it's gonna obliterate your lovely. You love that black with the with the colors. It's just gonna obliterate. That. It'll be one of those box sets to where when people in the future give interviews on Zoom at, in front of their record cabinet, <laughs> yeah. you see that fucking thing sticking right out, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So annoying blue box artwork. Um, <laughs> inside the box is going to be a full remaster of Born Again, right? Yes. By Stephen Wilson, right? Hopefully, if you can get a remix from him, that'd be great. Yeah, but even okay. a cleanup. Okay, then it's going to be a box. Then it's going to be outtakes. Another disc or two of outtakes, the manner tapes, and maybe yep. some extras. Yep. It's going to be a live set from Reading. I think so. What, do you know if that was videotaped? It was. Uh, well, I think that's one that you can see clips of it. Yeah, I think it probably was. So maybe I would assume. It's- Maybe it comes. This is one of the ones that comes with the DVD. Oh yeah, that's right. This is a. See, I'm trying to get too realistic with it. Yes, and there's a, there's a full yeah, DVD. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, exactly. There's a DVD of the live. Um, yeah. What other extras would be in there for the Born Again era? You'd have to. Was have... there a Was there a Born Again uh, a tour booklet? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There was. Okay. Yeah, and I, uh, yeah, that would of course you throw that in to keep consistency. The bound book. Um, be great to see some if they had them like some some notes from the sessions and stuff like that. That would be really cool to see. Like alternative album covers, other yeah, or see, see Gillen's Chicken Scratch and stuff like that. That would be that'd be wild if if he has that. Um, I know that that was a dark time, so a lot of <laughs> that stuff. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he got test pressings of it and he threw them all out the window and threw up when he saw the cover of the album. So he might have burnt everything. <laughs> to do with it i don't remember him talking about it too much when he was on your show <laughs> he talked about just, his time with black sabbath but he didn't yeah. shit on the album or anything like that <laughs> i have to listen to it again it's been a while but I, I remember as soon as i got as soon as i got the confirmation he was coming on the show i was like i gotta ask him about born again that's <laughs> very important i remember begging my parents please let me go see black sabbath because i i saw dio my very first concert was I think 1993 New Year's Eve. Oh, okay. Ronnie Ronnie James Dio. This is San Francisco. Ronnie James Dio, <coughs> Dio Y&T, and Dawkin at the Cow oh, Palace. And nice. then about three or four weeks later, I seem to recall, Black Sabbath was coming. And it was the Born Again tour. And uh. my parents had let me go with my brother to the New Year's show. And then I was begging them, please let me go see the Black Sabbath show. And... They're like, you're not going to go see Black Sabbath. I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> I, I would have totally been. Anyway, so, um, yeah, hopefully there's, okay, inside this dream box set, there's also, were there any, there, there's a tour program. Was there any, were there any 45s from Born Again? I think, I'm trying to think, actually. Um, yeah, there might have been for Trashed. There might have just been the double-sided where it's the same like it's a radio kind of thing. There you go. Okay, so that's, there's a 45 yeah. in this box set. And I don't remember any t- cool 45 art because that's a big thing with the 45s when they get the, the cool right. slip case. That's what I love about that the Sabotage box, that Japanese one that they, they recreated. Yeah. That's cool. How, I, I remember the Born Again Tour shirts. Do you remember those? I've seen them, yeah. Yeah. The, I remember 
few of those were going around our high school at the time. There's there's a there's an epic uh, back patch. Maybe you could throw that in the box. That might yeah, be a little too tchotchke compared to some of the other stuff that's been coming out. But but it was a rad one when I had the baby on fire. <laughs> right. I definitely rocked that on a jean jacket or something. All right. <laughs> so what I about think we what were... about you? What do you feel like is missing? What would you like to see next? Well, born again. Yeah, look, I'd You're love born, to see you, born again. Born again I'd love to hear born again just decent. Yeah, that's that would be my big book to, to me. Like Sabotage, I got a good copy of Sabotage. It's it, the main album didn't really excite me that much. Yeah. Um, same with even the uh, Volume Four. The Volume Four album was a nice surprise. I didn't really expect to be blown away by the album remaster, but I was. Yeah, uh, Paranoid. There's it's it's no, there's nothing extra there uh, for me. But the um, but Born Again would be great. Just simply to hear the album in a better fidelity than I've ever heard it before. Yeah. So that would especially be, if they could really get in there and tweak it around. Um, right. Getting somebody like Stephen who would. Yeah. But I'm trying to think of what, what else they could do in terms of of uh, Born Again and the materials. Maybe when it. they get into the the '80s stuff, because like, I know with the '70s stuff that they've released so far, there's not much film. You know, like there's a couple yeah. of reels every once in a while. But once they get into that era, like. The Dio era, there's all kinds of video and tape and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it would be cool if there's kind of a, a visual component along with it. Yep. Mix it up some. With commentary. That would be also interesting. <laughs> from, from, yeah. Yeah, from all of them. I mean, they're all in there. It's like, oh, you can see I just did 10 lines of blow before we played this song. And that, you know. that, that, it would be a blast with that one because the stories, when they do when they do retell stories from Born Again, that's part of the charm of the whole thing is that there's all those stories out there. They love talking about it, especially yeah. Dylan. He loves talking about uh, staying out in the tent and them putting all the pyro yeah. around it and everything. Okay, cool. Well, thanks so much for beaming in here. I keep no saying worries. beaming, but you got conjured. I was conjured, but it was the spirit. I'm... Uh, <laughs> I was just sitting on my uh, on my couch eating Cheez Its, and now all of a sudden and I was suddenly in the you're in seance. this evil doom den, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm over top of you with a tech. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was an absolute pleasure to be on the show. Believe me, I could I, I love talking about Black Sabbath. I'm glad shows like this exist yeah. uh, for uh, for Sabbath nerds like myself. Thank you so much for your time. No worries, man. You take care of yourself. All right. Stay safe you over too. there. Cheers. Right. See ya. Uh, bollocks. Edit section one. Two. All right, I want to thank Nate again for joining us here. Be sure to check out The Vinyl Guide and all the podcast catchers and all that stuff. If you go to thevinylguide.com, like he said, you can see all 300 episodes that are out now and pick through there. Everybody take care of yourself. Send in some requests for shows. And of course, you know, as your dog knows, Bug Blast, all of you.